Hi, hello and welcome to the Back to the Pavilion podcast. It's great to have you with me and there's more and more of you joining us every week. So thank you to everyone who listens. And thank you to everyone who helps spread the word by retweeting, sharing or liking the show on social media. If anyone has any suggestions of players you'd like to hear from, then please do get in touch. You can tweet me at, at Lloydzilla and I'll try my best to get them on the show. Today we hear from a former Sussex seamer who played over 50 times for the county, taking over 100 wickets in the process. All this despite being told as a young boy that he'd never be able to play sport due to being born with Poland syndrome. But having overcome that, forged that career for Sussex, sadly a back injury caused him to retire in 2016, aged just 26. So let's find out what he's been doing since as we welcome Lewis Hatchett back to the pavilion. I still haven't got over it. It's really weird. It's four, it's four years now um, since it since it happened. Like I literally remember it, the seventh of July, two thousand sixteen, playing a warm up game, about to play Pakistan in a um, in a in a what's it called touring match, and I'd I'd had a bit of a, I was working on some stuff at the start of the year, and then I was really working. I was really doing well. Like I was performing every game. I was performing, getting better. And I was like, so happy with my performances. And then literally this one over, uh, I just felt the first ball felt pain. Second ball. I was like, that's not right. Third ball couldn't, couldn't make the next step. And, and kind of knowing what a back injury really feels like. I knew it was one, but I think at the same time, my ego took over and I didn't want to accept it at the same time. I didn't want to, uh, believe that I'd had that injury so I fought with the the physio bless him to say that I don't want to go for an MRI that night I, it's not gonna we know it's not shown anything in the past and I was literally kicking and screaming get being chucked into an MRI machine and um and yeah then getting a phone call the next morning like that was really really tough and it's, it's, it's almost like a really traumatic experience at the same time almost looking back at the yes it's a physical trauma but it's a very traumatic experience being rung up by that physio. And I was just thinking he was going to, I don't know. I kind of knew because I woke up sore that day and really in pain. And, and I thought it was going to be, I'm hoping for good news. I really, I think deep down I was hoping, but I think even deeper down, I knew what was going on. And he's like, Lou, you've got another fracture. It's worse than the last one. It's in a place where the bone is meant to be stronger and it's not, uh, you know, the drill, no more bowling for six months. Um, come in and see me when you're ready. And like, I, I just went, I just remember going to the, um, going to the, into, up into the pavilion, into the changing room. And uh, I, I walked through the door and I saw him and I couldn't even look him in the eye. I, could, I literally couldn't look him in the eye because I, I knew. And I walked out the door, I walked down the steps at Hove and just sat in the other pavilion, the main, the, like the old pavilion and just sat at a chair and cried. That was it, just cried. And um, it was then when it, I then like even more outpouring emotion came on when I rung my dad and told my dad and my dad never says sorry, but he, he said sorry then he was like, Lou, I'm sorry. And I just remember those words and I put the phone down. I just, I like knelt behind a car and I was crying on, in at home. And I just never seen that sort of outpouring of emotion for something. And, and uh, do you know what? A lot of athletes really feel that kind of emotion when they, I've seen, I've seen athletes tear up and cricketers tear a hamstring 
and cry because it's almost you know you you were doing so well you've either you just stopped doing the thing you love but i think at the end at the end of it i i, I kind of knew that there was going to be a really long road to hopefully get me back in and and, and it just never was go to see the the, the the surgeon and he's like if you keep doing this if you keep playing you're just going to keep going down this road and it's going to get worse and worse so I had to kind of make that decision. We and he kind of took it out of my hands at the same time by just saying, like, you do this, I'm gonna only see you again very, very soon. And it was like, well, do I want to have a, a a move a lifestyle where I can move around easily or and do other things because I have aspirations of doing other stuff and being a, a good athlete, and or 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 this, which is putting a rod into my back and trying to fix it. So I think all of that even four years on still sits in my mind. And I think now, even though I'm able to physically play cricket on a Saturday out here in Australia or back in the UK for a club side and still at a very competitive level, there's that eking side of me that's like, can I still play? Can I just jump over the fence? And it's even harder when you see like the team you loved playing for maybe not in as strong a place as they were when you you left and you're like i wish, really wish i could add to that i really wish i could be contributing to the whether it's the culture the players the whatever and just really delivering what i now know and and the sad thing even worse is like because when i'm playing i'm, I'm definitely better than what i was i'm definitely better than what i was when i finished because i have the understanding of my skill i have an understanding of my body i have more than anything an understanding of my mind like that is probably the biggest change I've had. And, and so that's been that, I think knowing that I'm better now than what I was when I retired is even more painful. And like I said, yes, it's tough at the time, at the time, but it's, it's almost like the burden I will forever live with, I think in my life. And we all have our own little burdens and, and our own little traumas that we carry around with us. And that one will be mine. Um, but I don't regret it. I don't regret the, the time I played. That's for sure. Do you ever look back and think, I wish I'd made a different decision and, and done the rehab and played again? Well, I did the rehab. That was the thing. Like I did do the rehab and I, I went through all the process and I got to I got to the stage where I was like, this is the rehab is pain the rehab is not only just physically painful, it's is mentally painful as well. And I think the the thought of doing it again and I had to be really really logical to say like look it's very common for cricketers to get a stress fracture and get multiple stress fractures very common but i'm an uncommon cricketer that's the thing i kept kind of saying to myself like with my condition i'm an uncommon i'm an i'm not the 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 rule i'm an exception here as well so i have to be very aware that my, there's so many different demands on my physical body that that is something i had to protect and I still do protect it every day. It's such a challenge every day with my body and what I have to do to manage it that I didn't want to have that extra added challenge. Not a cha it's not a challenge. It's a, it is pain. It is just literally physical pain. And, and not only that, if you know the path as well, if you, if you generally know where you're going, it's like if, if I know that I'm heading off a cliff, why am I going to keep driving off that cliff? Yeah. Just so kind of cut that, let's stop that and give myself an opportunity whilst I'm young to, to have an impact somewhere else in what I can do. And 
and at the same time be very thankful and grateful and proud of what I did getting to where I got through the story that I had and so yeah it's the mixed emotions with that like you just you you look and go maybe the what ifs and yeah again those will haunt you if you do have them but I try not to I try not to give them as much airtime. And then my next thing is like, what can I, how can I give? How can I, how can I help others? How can anyone that's, whether they're in my same situation, whether they're, they're going through a similar experience or in, whether it's working on a, a, an athlete's mental well-being now or physical well-being now, how can I, with what I've learned and gone through, how can I help? Um, and like I said, because recognizing that I, I didn't go through a very common experience getting into cricket, that's for sure. You talk about that, you know, not not having the common experience. You you overcame Poland syndrome to be able to play professional cricket. Did that make it harder to have to retire because of a different physical injury? Yeah. So anyone who's listening and, and doesn't necessarily understand what Poland syndrome is, it's, it means that I'm missing my my right pectoral muscle and, and two ribs that are behind it. So effectively, the only thing that's in my right upper portion of my chest that's protecting my lung is is just skin. So if you're playing uh, cricket and I was talking to you just before we started about facing someone like Stephen Finn who can bowl 90 mile an hour um, even when I did that like I was wearing an off the shelf chest guard and, and if I was going to get hit and, it, and if I was to get hit on that area especially without a chest guard or, or potentially not with what I have now made um, it's anything from a slight winding to puncturing a lung and that's a fatal injury so I that that was something that I had to overcome I have multiple different um, muscles in in my right shoulder that compensate for a huge muscle not being there and doing a big job for moving your right arm and that's my I was a left arm bowler so my right arm is my my affected side and that's my kind of rudder for bowling so I had to do a lot of work on trying to figure out how to get the right techniques and a lot of frustrated uh, a lot of frustrated teammates and coaches through when I would perhaps like physically fatigue quicker than, than usual in certain things. But then I built my fitness up really big. My fitness was a big thing and that's probably why I'm in what I'm doing now. Um, but I think, I think going back to your question about whether it hurt a little bit more, it, it really went down to the fact that, like I said, it's, it's pride that I felt. I think this overwhelming sense of pride and just, yeah, just being, just being not only grateful, but yeah, really, really reflective on what I'd gone through. And I think it's even more now. I think it's definitely even more now that I, the experiences that I have and, and the work ethic that it gave me. Um, only I was only having a conversation with someone yesterday about my business right now and talking about creating videos for my app and like the work and what I'm doing there. And I told them like what I could churn out in sort of a in an hour. And they're like, what the hell? And, and it, they're like, that's an incredible work ethic. And I just think I take stuff like that for granted. And that's not to kind of blow smoke up my own ass, but like, that's just, that's just literally recognizing that I'm incredibly proud of the hard work that I did and the sacrifices I made at a, 15, a 14, 15, 16 year old lad who had setbacks then who was really fighting against the, the current and, and then overcame it. And I think I can now see it for what it is as this, this really cool journey and this cool story that I do get to talk about. And not only that, even further, I get to inspire other people. I literally got a message and bless him. I haven't replied to him just yet. I, I get probably a message once every week, maybe one, uh, twice every, uh, twice every month 
from someone in the world that has, that has got Poland syndrome and has seen my Instagram account and has taken inspiration from it. And, and, and they'll say like, you've inspired me. And that, 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 that's enough. Like that, that's really, really cool. Um, regardless of how many wickets I took, regardless of what my strike rate was, whatever my average was like, do you know what? That's, that's a bigger impact I'm going to have on the world than, than a few figures. I mean, that's phenomenal. That, that, that feeling to get that message, you must just, like you say, make, make everything, put everything into perspective. Yeah. Cause I think as well, you, you get into a, you get into a mentality as a, as an athlete, you get drawn into your own world very, very quickly because everything is about you. And that's why it hurts so much when it gets lost and you will see now over time and i've seen it happen since i've retired people go through the journey i went through and people either do or don't have the mechanisms the people the tools whether they're personal or, or the internal or external tools to to help them deal with that that feeling of of losing the um, losing your career you feel you feel this loss of a part of you and because you've held onto it so tightly, when you lose it, it hurts that little bit more. So when you get a message like that coming from someone, it really does make you think outside of yourself. You recognize the impact you can have on others, not from a, not from a look at me point of view, but actually how you could, and everyone, and, and you get to see other people's battles as well. You see how this person has potentially battled with the condition, whether it's from a, a, a mentality point of view, like, I, I would very rarely take my shirt off in public when I was sort of a teen, growing teenager. And still now I have to fight that deep inner voice in my mind that tells me the insecure thoughts that I will have. And I will then get a message from someone saying like, I have these insecurities. I don't want to show it in public. I haven't even told my, my best friend doesn't even know about it, but you've inspired me to, to have that conversation. That's that person having that conversation could then inspire another person around them to be open. And like we were talking about mental health before we've started this podcast, I guess people talk about opening up and doing it, but you have to have a, you have to have a yardstick to know how to do that. You have to have a, almost a how to, and if it's an open conversation that you can have with someone then, and you see someone else doing that, you can almost copy them. You can literally almost go, well, I've seen this being done because I've seen someone be vulnerable and open about that. And, and if I can do that with a young person that's going through what I, I, I went through because I didn't have social media, I didn't have Instagram, WhatsApp or, or uh, Twitter or Facebook to reach out to someone as quickly as you can, if you find them, what, what, a, what a, an amazing thing to be able to do and, and what an impact that, that it is. And it's something that I do not take lightly. So I don't reply to someone flippantly i make sure that i'm i have five to ten minutes to recognize what this person has said what this person has written to me and give give them my time because they've spent their time writing that message over overcoming a big insecurity to write it and yeah that like i said that is bigger than cricket that is much larger than the game we play because you're impacting more people in ways that our little game potentially doesn't that that little game when it ended for you did you know what you wanted to do did you have a plan uh not really not 
not entirely, but I think now I actually had sown some sort of seeds in my mind, what I wanted to do. And that would be the fact that I had, so obviously now I'm in, in sort of the space of mindfulness, yoga, meditation, um, athlete wellbeing, ultimately, like I'm an athletic advisor and teaching athletes how to manage their bodies and their minds. And I think, so even from just like a, from the yoga side of things, I took up yoga just at the start of cricket, uh, sorry, midway through my professional career um, to, to start feeling better in my body. I was so tired of, of, of doing that, of feeling injured all the time, of feeling stiff, feeling tight. Bowling is horrible for your body. And um, I wanted to kind of do something at the end of my career that would have an impact. I knew that as much. That's about as much as I knew. But then once I started doing things, I had this experience at the cricket club where we brought in a yoga teacher after I'd had such success with it. And I went from being super injured all the time in like soft tissue injuries to not getting a single injury in 18 months. And my program, my performance going through the roof and they're like, Lou, Lou hasn't changed his training. He's just added yoga. Like he's saying it's working. Let's get a yoga teacher in. And this yoga teacher stood at the front of the class, like flicked on whale music and like, lit some candles put pillows out it was nine o'clock in the morning and and guys want to go out and, and have a hard session and we're falling asleep at 10 o'clock and i was like this is just this is this is exactly why i didn't get into yoga but i i've managed to kind of figure out a way of of overcoming the the, the barriers to get into it or i've just accepted them but i know not everyone will so these and these tools are really valuable for each person so i was using an app at the same time and when i like I think all of these ideas, what the experiences I had, the, the, the fact I was using this app, I was like, Oh, maybe I could do something like this, but then I'd have that thought ultimately. And then I'd be back onto, right. How am I going to work on my in-swinger? How am I going to work on my slower ball? What game we got coming up? And then it's, and then it's gone. And then you're like next season or next game, next season. And then, and then you're back on that, that rung. But at no, at no stage was I actively, um, was I actively, looking for something to do what I was doing I was really networking I was networking very well like if there was a sponsorship event that we had I would engage with that I'd really get on board with that if there was a community thing we did I was always putting my hand up for the charity the community stuff and I don't think it's a coincidence that since my career ended there were people I could lean on there were friendships that I gained from one of our old I have a great friendship with a guy that that sponsored Sussex they were our main uh, sponsor for one year and they were an earphone company at the time and he was he was the, the he was the director of the uk for it and he came in he shook my hand he met me he's like have you tried some of our, ear, our earphones and what did you think of them and i was like they're no good <laughs> and he, he he was like that's brilliant that's exactly what i needed to hear like tell me why come let's have a chat and and we've had a friendship ever since and like he's helped me out i spoke to him the other day like catching up with him how's his wife going how's his kids going um i even taught his wife and his his daughter like some yoga stuff when when they were going through some things and yeah like little relationships like that really helped once i finished but again at the time i wasn't i wasn't strategizing this i wasn't doing this it's i think my brother and i our family is quite business orientated. So they would tell me about what to potentially start to think about as my career was coming to an end or like to think you're not going to be a cricketer forever. So think about it. So I guess I had a, an idea and I wasn't, I wasn't um, naive to think I was going to be a cricketer forever. I didn't, wasn't going to retire on 
on the big money and never do anything else ever again. But yeah, I, I wasn't actively thinking about it, but I think there were a lot of events that were going on that I was definitely helped me get where I was. And my advice to anyone that potentially is in this situation would be to recognize those little opportunities that you get, those little moments that you, you potentially can lean on later on in life. So if it's a sponsor's event, go to it, have a smile on your face. Like people want you there because of who you are. Like that doesn't last for very long. And that ends up being something that cricketers who retire have to deal with that, that, that no one wanting you. I think Matt Pryor said it in, in the edge documentary, like there's a little clip in there where, uh, and there was, there was Matt when you would know when Matt was speaking to a camera at certain moments and you, you potentially know that it might've been like a, a question, an answer that everyone wants to hear, but that answer that he gave on that, that, that documentary was such a real answer. Uh, not to say he's not a real per, not a real guide, like, but that was a real genuine moment. Like it was, and the way it was done was really good. He spoke about how the people had said to him that the moment you retire, your phone stops ringing. And he was like, it's right. It's so right. And he is right. He really is right. Like it just stops. And, and almost the people that you have in your life, like they, they go as well. So yeah, that's, um, I've, I've kind of gone off on a tangent there, but yeah, that's, that's kind of the whole experience that you get from coming on, coming out of the game um, and especially if you're thinking about going into something else. Was there much support there for you when you, when you came out of the game, you know, um, everyone talks so glowingly about the PCA and, and, but what were, were they there for you? Was your County still there for you? Was that, was that support bubble still about? Yeah. The, the PCA are there. The PCA really, they, they are there. They are there in certain ways. I don't think it's perfect. I don't think it's perfect. And I don't think it ever may potentially can be perfect because of what you're, what you require, what you're requiring is, and it's kind of like, what's, what does that support look like for that individual? Because everyone who comes out of the game has a completely different experience because the game, their lifestyle, their, the life they came from, the, the, the environment they came from, their family, their connections is also different. So you can't do a one size fits all approach. It's just never going to work. So you kind of have to know how you need to be supported as a, as a player. And I think if you can verbalize that early on, if you can verbalize how you might want support, what does that support look like for you? Cause I actually don't think it should all be on the PCA mm. or be on other institutions to help you. I think you can help yourself, but that tends to come from doing a little bit of digging within to find what support you genuinely need because of where you want to go. You need to ultimately figure out two things, who you want to be and what you want to be and what you want to do. So you can't, you're never going to know what you want to do unless you figure out who you want to be. And if you, if you don't go those right, then you're going to be seeking external sources rather than looking internal. And that is, I think uh, a big part of that support because I think as much as I can sit there and say like the PCA didn't, um, PCA didn't support me, PCA didn't support me. It, it, they did. Uh, this is not me saying this, this is just hypothetical, yeah. but um, you may get to that situation, but ultimately you go, well, what support did you need? Did you verbalize it? Did you tell them what support you needed? Did you even know how you needed support? People aren't mind readers at the end of the day. Like 
they may not see a gambling addiction coming from the mile off. They need, they need warning. People need these. But the, the brilliant thing is, is that if you do hit these, well, sadly, catastrophic moments or these really uh, traumatic endings or towards whether it be like an addiction, whether it be like almost suicidal thoughts, because our suicide rate within cricket is, is far too high. Um, they are there. They're there straight away. They have mechanisms to help you, but you just don't want it to get that point. You want it to beat that point. And that comes from knowing how you need that support. So yeah, they, they, they were brilliant. I actually think I, I will, and I have recently tapped into them again. Um, and we're going to be setting up a bit of a, a um, partnership with me and my app and how, because it's all built towards athlete wellbeing and all built towards athlete performance and wellbeing. Cause I genuinely believe the two are linked. So I want to be able to help them and there'll be an opportunity for, to, to do some fundraising for the, the Cricketers Trust. Like I ran the London Marathon for the Cricketers Trust. Um, yeah, that was, again, just a moment to give back. And it's brilliant that you can do something like that because there were people that were willing to chat on the phone when I needed them and almost help plan it out. But yeah, I think it's even from an, an, thinking about it again as well, thinking from an athlete's point of view, really hard to ask for that help and know what you want because at the time what you want to do is you want to play for England so how do you how do you know and I kind of go back to ultimately if you can find your purpose for why you're playing cricket um if it's to earn a load of money then and that's your purpose that's not a bad thing for you necessarily but you just got to figure out like if if you don't earn all that money and you don't get that external sort of satisfaction what are you going to feel like if you don't get it and if you can find that purpose, you can find your why as, as to why you're playing cricket, that why is, or that why can, to who you are can be transferable outside of cricket, really can. So that, that would be, yes, there's support there, but you, you've got to help yourself as well. You, you talk about helping yourself. You, you know, like you said, a, a, you know, athlete performance and well-being consultant, and, and that's your job. How did, how did you come to that as a, as something that you were going to do was it just did it evolve naturally so uh, like I said I took up yoga um, and by that time I'd actually recognized that taking things like mindfulness meditation that had such a strong impact on my physical and mental well-being that I was like these methods are not being translated to athletes how they should be they've been around for thousands of years they've impacted people but through marketing through social interaction through our, our yeah the way we perceive it we think it's for skinny white women in lycra drinking lattes or the uber spiritual that are spending uh, three years at the ashram in goa and that that is not reality that's not actually what it is it's not the world we live in the world 2020 yes definitely 2020 is a much different world to when yoga was introduced and its needs are far different to when it was when it was started so the thing there's a lot of things that haven't changed them and i recognized that so i saw the i saw the impact for my physical performance initially but then when my career ended i saw the impact on my mind when i had these self-doubt moments when i had stress when i had anxiety when i had a, 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 not an understanding of who i was what i was doing i was able to use breathing meditation to build that self-awareness, build an understanding of what, who, who's Lewis? Lewis was a cricketer. I thought I was a cricketer, but who's Lewis? Like, who is he now? 
and that whole that whole journey then led me to relax well at the time i was kind of tussling with it i was like do i go and actually train up in being a, a yoga teacher and i was like if i do it i don't want to go to like a local studio in the uk and i want to take myself to a place where i'm uncomfortable i want to take myself to a place where i've never been before i need to get away i need to i haven't done anything since i was since i retired and i want to get away and experience this spiritual side so i can understand it and then i can remold it to the people i want to speak to and so i went out to hawaii i actually went out to the big island in hawaii like an incredible island and the place where i went the experience i had over the three to four weeks in hawaii it was like get up every day six o'clock class in the morning but then you'd go into silent breakfasts you you're watching you're watching two grown men like at morning breakfast hug and cry over their gluten-free cocoa pops in the morning it's like then it's all natural food it's it's this beautiful scenery and i'm saying that from like how you would generally from a sportsman's point of view you'd look at it and go what the hell is this and then there's me like this big six foot three white bowler that's just standing there like in his sports kit a british accent going, going like right well i've got to figure out this and then you're doing like ecstatic dance you're doing silent silent um, dance parties you're doing people hugging all the time and I, even then like I wasn't a very um, touchy person but I throughout that experience I just broke a load of shackles and just opened up to potentially who, who I was and, and broke down a load of different layers really really interesting experience and took that and it I put it into my life as well built that self-awareness um, and came back and, and was like how can I teach that to, to other people and I wanted to reach a lot of people. So building an online platform was important to me because I'd experienced it through an app. But I also recognized that branding was going to be a big part of it. As much as branding had been a part and marketing had been a part of how yoga is perceived and mindfulness and meditation is perceived right now, I need to do the same, but go in a different direction and get it to the people that I want it to. Mm. So I, I didn't necessarily go out and be like, I want to work in athlete well-being. I, it all stems from, I just want to help who I can like just let's help who, whoever needs it whether it's physically or mentally let's give people some tools because there's practical advice that you can have there's practical things that you can do and you can do it in the space of your own home especially we've learned now through the pandemic there's a lot you can do in, in your four walls of your home and so and you need it more than ever because the anxiety rates are through the roof the stress rates are through the roof and and then you add into the fact like the physical um the physical recovery of it and people not training like they would normally would and yeah ultimately that that's the premise of just being able to to help others and so that was that was the building of sport yogi which we we i then launched the app in well three maybe four weeks ago and that was just a culmination it's a long it's a long old ride and it's it's not anywhere near where i want it to be but it's it's getting there and i'm just happy that like i recently did reviews of the, the the app and again that's just a little mad amount of motivation that can that can spur you on because you're seeing how it's impacting people you're seeing how it's changing them it's it's and it's exciting because then i've got so much more i want to do so what what make there's the yoga part what else makes up the app what else is is on there for people so if people can bear my voice <laughs> if they can deal with my the the, the dulcet tones of lewis hatchet then um 
there, there's breathing exercises on there. So where I run through a load of different breathing exercises, both from a performance and a well-being point of view. So ultimately it stems from being able to physically take control of your body, take control of your nervous system. We're constantly in this state of stress and being in this sympathetic state in our nervous system. We want to bring it back to a parasympathetic, not only from a, a decision-making point of view, but also from a recovery point of view. We need to be in a more rested state and we're not. And as an athlete, we know that being rested is super important. So that then is where it blends in the performance a little bit. So it could be there's, there's, there's sessions on there like before bed, which is a breathing exercise that you would do before bed. It's like five minutes long and it's just me talking you through how to do this breathing technique. There's some nice music to it. It's all beautifully done. But there might also be one where we build lung capacity. So really work into the, the deeper parts of, the, of your breathing mechanics, learning how to breathe properly, breathe efficiently, uh, whether that's, again, for improving your, your VO2 max or like improving your fatigue levels, or whether it's just being able to access your diaphragm to know when you can calm yourself down. And, and also there's mind sessions on there. So again, using methods of mindfulness, taking elements and scenarios that sports people might find themselves in and bringing some control using whether it's mindfulness, um, breathing techniques or, or self-talk visualization and running people through these, these methods. You kind of have to think of it as like headspace for sport, really, where you're, you're, I'm talking you through these sessions and they, they are based towards scenarios that you may face in, in sports. So like o overcoming pre-competition nerves, dealing with pre-training nerves, like how do you manage deselection, like not being selected for a game? How do you manage your debut? How do you, all these different elements and, and so many more that I've got planned and lined up to come out um, that are, that are going to be available. And then, there, and then also there's the physical side. So if you need to stretch your hamstrings out, there's, there's classes on stretching your hamstrings that are really easy and practical to add into your training regime. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's what's available on the app. Um, and then, I mean, you've got your podcast as well. Is that, I mean, I, I, I know I've listened to, to, I think virtually all of them now. Mm. Is that, for you and another avenue to get that message about well-being and, and out there for you yeah so it kind of that kind of started as me just really interested in speaking to a load of different athletes that i knew first off in the uk and then even when i came out to australia i was like well there's a load of athletes out here that i'll speak to them but coronavirus threw that curveball but also a great curveball for something like podcasting because we can do what we're doing right now where you're the other side of the world and i think then it blew down a lot of um assumptions about podcasting that it had to be done in person it had to be done in this studio sort of realm and people were just happy to listen to a conversation over a zoom chat oh that that's something that people were able to do so it grew, it grew a little bit more um and yeah ultimately i don't really have a place where i want to take it just yet i'm just enjoying it uh enjoying talking to athletes some some incredible athletes that i've spoken to um and hearing their stories about how they've gone through some challenges both physical and mental and methods and, and insights and in, to how other people might be able to do that because I, I genuinely believe that there's stories in in any sport that people can take whether they use that in their own sporting capacity or whether they take it into their own their own life you haven't just got to be a sportsman it was, we we put athletes on a pedestal because they are the top performers in what they do they deal with high stress environments they know how to look after their bodies their minds so why not tap into that and and kind of learn some how-tos along the way? Do you think that if 
the stuff that you know now, four years after leaving the game, you knew at the start of your career that maybe your career would have been enhanced? Yeah, 100%. I'm really keen to... I actually just launched a programme today, actually, uh, on the for the app, which is about... The, so the app is going to be, there's a, going to be an affiliate program which clubs and teams can get involved with. And it not only allows clubs to, to showcase the app, but I also recognize that coronavirus has, has impacted um, clubs massively. So like my club out here in Australia, financially, they've been, they've been impacted by 50% of their, their funding that they get. So that what I've set up is this scheme where if, if the clubs want to take on the app and they feel like these sort of tools are really important for looking after their athlete well-being and performance, then they can partner up and, and we will actually give them a kickback for every person that signs on to the app through their code or QR code. And that will run for the entirety of that subscription for life. So it becomes another revenue stream for them. Mm. And that's just another way of the sport, not only giving back to sport, but, ultimately led to your question which is giving the kids and people at the amateur level where where sport begins literally where it starts for everyone i'm sure every person you've spoken to on your podcast has started at club level and started at a school and teaching them those tools early on so that whether they become a pro or not they can manage the stress and the strains that physical sport or the life challenges that they have they, they have the tools to deal, to deal with it. They can go into their, their shed and find that tool rather than run in there and there's nothing for them to use. They've at least learned it. They've at least started to, to bring it into their life. It becomes a routine um, because as much as, yeah, sport throws curveballs at us, life is throwing curveballs at us and we need to have ways of managing it. And I want that. I, I, I really want this, this app to be a, a part of that. So yeah, definitely. I'd love to be able to also link up with with sports clubs and come in and speak, whether it's virtually and, and personally when we can, but also academies. So like say at Sussex, for example, I would love to work with the young kids there and I probably will look at having a conversation down the line and, and, and other academies or maybe even link up with the PCA and see if there's a part of being able to deliver and, and, and give them methods to look after their mind. And their body as well because whether you want to play the sport until you're 40 or 50 like physically you just want to be able to get out, out of bed and not be sore that's that's at least one good reason <laughs> do you like your own personal personal experiences do you think that they shine through in the content that you produce i tried i try to i try to i try to blend it with making sure that there's credibility behind it through, through what I've gone through and, and what I've experienced. But I think ultimately I don't know what that person is going through. So I have to assume I, I don't, and I build the content around the outcome that I would like them to have. So, like I said, if there's something around pregame nerves, I'm ultimately building a picture in my mind of someone who's very nervous before a game. Um, but yeah, I think I'd like to do it in my own way, the same way someone like Andy Pudicum has done it in Headspace. Um, he's He's got his own style that he does it. I'll have my own style. Uh, the reviews are that people don't mind listening to me, which is fine. Um, and I'm sure there'll be people that won't like listening to me. 
and and ultimately both are okay and both of them I'll, i i will and won't listen to them as much because it's it's about that impact that you're making and and hoping that just one person can take something from it but knowing that i've got over 500 people using the app already like that's that's really exciting and and just showing that this stuff is needed yeah. definitely showing that this stuff is needed and you you'll know you will know from the, the the work that you're doing um it'd be interesting to hear what you think like do you feel there's an there's a a, a sort of desperation or need in people to figure out how the hell they they manage these stresses in what they do i think so i think you know i was looking at some research the day um you know one in three adolescent children suffer from a, a mental health issue you know mm. teaching staff stress is the biggest reason for absence in teaching staff across I, I, this is just in the uk study i think if we could build for me you know well-being into the curriculum for you know for pupils right from year seven when we in year seven or even younger you know you know my kids are at junior school let's teach them how to handle stresses you know children are tested to within an inch of their life i'll be careful for me not to get soapboxy here um children are tested within an inch of their life from a ridiculously early age to the point where you know my daughter's in in year six in the uk and she said one a few weeks ago i wish we could just do the sats now and get them over and done with so everyone has stopped going on about them so we don't all get worried and you think she's 10 and to have that that idea that we're going to stress out a 10 year old over a, an exam which let's be honest means nothing yeah but yeah let's let's build into the curriculum at an early age way you know well-being how to manage our emotions how to manage our stresses and likewise with teachers i i openly campaign for all teaching staff to have some element of well-being taught within their professional development days because teaching is a really stressful job you know Mm. and it's a really difficult job let's build into those professional development days opportunities to actually to look at ways to manage that stress load let's not you know put a sticking plaster on it at the end when someone goes off with stress let's do something beforehand to you know help prevent it i think is is a massive thing yeah it's a real blend as well like i find that i find that you also have to give people the understanding that stress is good as well yeah you can't run from everything like so it's a real blend between and i've got kids that i'm working with out here that have that have that are going through mental health issues they're going with through personal issues and it's a, such a blend between being uh being understanding of their situation but then not letting that be a crutch for them to lean on and and taking away their their individuality and their, their independence to to be able to figure stress out as well so they kind of need you kind of need to let them go, let them get stressed a little bit, but know that you're kind of there if something bad happens, you you yeah. can catch them. And I, yeah, I I don't know what, how you feel about that. I don't know how you would would do you do you feel that there's a need to keep stressing them as well? I think that you have to have that edge, don't you? You, don't, yeah. you? you have to have that recognition of the importance of something. You have to have the you know because like you say, stress can be a good thing. It can it can spur people on, and that 
it's it's making sure that it doesn't tip over the edge and and form yeah, that you know that anxiety bubble on your back or that you know that it changes who you are as a person or what you're doing i think as long as it's uh, promoting positive encouragement and and you know enthusiasm then i think it's good but it's when it's rec it being able to recognize when that's becoming too far and going being able to take a step back and i talk a lot about emotional control and emotional regulation with the teachers that i work with you know and being able to recognize in a situation when your emotions are taking over and being able to take that step back and actually i always say you know sometimes the best thing you can do is nothing but it's often yeah. the hardest thing to do you know if you if you're intervening in a a, a situation with two young people and you know as long as no one's going to die or get seriously injured then if you're thinking i'm going to go in there and make that situation worse mm. then actually let's not go in you know yeah. let's let's take, walk away do and come back and do it later when you're calmer you know when when you're not doing that because one of the you know it's, it's the emotional buttons thing isn't it if you show someone your emotional buttons don't be surprised if they then press them again in the future to look yep. for that explosion and you know, I work a lot with teachers on that and being able to just regulate and know when the best time to walk away is. Yeah, here's another one for you, I reckon. As a, as a supporter of, of cricket and someone yep. who's watching the game all the time, there's a lot of people that come out and, and we were again speaking about the start of the, the show, but we were talking about, um, talking about mental health, like being open, to open up as a man. Yeah do you find that it actually impacts the supporters when athletes actually speak about mental health? So a good example would be Marcus Trescott, I think when he came out, do you think that that starts to change the, I really think, change the atmosphere around it? I think it does. I think the, you know, the, I, the respect I think grows for people. I think unfortunately in society, you'll always get those people who are like, who, will make comments about weakness and things like that. But I think in society generally now, when people actually say I have this problem and, and this is what it was about, I think I certainly found a huge amount of respect for, for Marcus, for Jonathan Trott, uh, Mike Yardy, you know, yeah. I, and, and Graham Fowler, all those people who've openly come out and said that. And I don't think in general, you find anyone who would have anything negative to say about them. And I think no. the more open that people are about it, you know, I found when, when I was suffering with my poor mental health to actually, I, I drew inspiration from those people. I, I read their books. I, and for, I, yeah. I, when I interviewed Mike Yardy afterwards, we chatted and I said, you know, for me to be able to sit there and read your book and go, actually I can relate to what you were going through. I, I suffered some of those same symptoms of poor mental health was really powerful and I think it's so good to for to have people in the public eye who who can say you know it's okay you know it's okay to feel like that it's okay to to have you know to to admit that you need a you need help I think it I really do think that it, it, it helps people it helps to change perceptions it hate you know we talked earlier about the stigma around the language used around mental health I think it's it's so important that you know, people in the public eye come out and say, this is what I'm going through and it's all right to go through it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, Yard, Mike Yardy was my captain. Yards was my captain for a couple of years and, and we were that that real tough time in his period, the, the real traumatic period where it really hit, um, came to a point 
we were all in the change room when that was all going on. And do you know, one of the biggest things I took away from it was like how he dealt with it, how he came out about it, how he um, carried on and the work ethic that he had. Like Yards was one of the people I really looked up to. He was, he was someone that the way he trained was just ferocious and him and people like him, um, Murray Goodwin, Matt Pryor, like their, their work ethic when they were in the nets and when they were on, like the speed at the ball traveling towards their forehead when they were facing bouncers, like that, that is something that I actually think a lot of players have, have lost that, that edge with. They've really, they've really pulled away from it. I, I did a podcast with James Taylor mm. and, and James and I were having this great discussion about how training hard really set you up. And, and all of this, this stuff we were talking about, we were saying it just, it stems from the fact that if you want to be great at something and you want to be, have an impact, you want to be successful, you want to be different from everyone else. It comes with like this sacrifice of, of something. There's a sacrifice of something and you're a weirdo at, at the end of the day, you're this weirdo somewhere. But then I also start to think of it. It's like, well, whether it's us who've had, we've, we've opened up and, and, and recognized our mental health. I don't, I don't believe that it's like it came along someday and, and we were just beaten back down by our mental health. It's just, we recognized it. We yeah. became aware of it. We, we opened up to it. And then I almost, then you start to look at it and go, well, it's the people that make those comments, the people, they're the sick ones. They're yeah. the ones that are sick. They're the ones that need help at the end of the day. And all of that was kind of stemmed from those experiences I had with people like yards because how how nothing changed, how I saw him. I recognized this was just a part of him that he had now learned to deal with. Yeah. And then ultimately I was going to learn to deal with it eventually, whether I wanted to or not, whether, whether I was suppressing it or not, because the conversation I had this morning with my, my housemate was that men will suppress those emotions far longer than women will because that, and women show those emotions very quickly, but men suppress them and then they manifest in many different ways. And that's when it's dangerous. It could be anger. It could be drinking. It could be gambling. It could be shortness of temper. It could be demotivation in what you do. Whatever it is, it will manifest itself in some way, shape or form. And, and unless you're aware of it, you bring that recognition to it. You, you, will, you will need it. You will struggle with it, whether you're aware of it or not. Uh, yeah, 100%. I think, and like I say, you know, especially within men, it's so for me really important to spread that message you know pick up the phone and talk to someone or you know do whatever you can and there's nothing wrong with admitting that you need help that you need that mm. you know that even if it's a mate just going are you okay and you say yeah yeah, yeah, yeah i'm fine and then go actually no are you okay not yeah. you know not not just to brush it off i think yeah people want to be heard people want to be like heard at the end of the day and you've got to give them that that space to be rec recognized that they're they whatever is going on in their life they just want to talk about it you just need someone to go and talk about it and i'd always say that yes it's great to talk about it but but then what then yeah. then you need to have you will need to have a something in place to help you manage it on a daily basis whether it's through it could be journaling it could be meditation mindfulness it could be positive self-talk it could be some sort of experience that you do whatever it is you 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 go through that um, you need that there because when that person puts the phone down and is not there, it will not stop those thoughts coming back. It, it, they will come back, but you have to just be willing to accept them and open up to them and, and let them sit alongside you, literally sit alongside you. 
and those are Lewis's thoughts right there. And but I'm Lewis, and they're just my thoughts that I'm having right now. Is that do do you talk about that sort of in in your app? Are the things in there to help people with that through sport yogi? Not not right yet now. Uh, that's the plan. So right now the con- it's so embryonic. Um, we're pretty much in the almost like the beta version of the app and, and just getting a lot of, uh, of testing going out there, setting up a lot of systems. Um, but I've got so much scope for where I want to take this sort of stuff, run course, uh, have courses on there that people can go through um, and ultimately start to, to open up the, these ideas of, of self-awareness through that. Um, yeah. I mean, there's, this is a whole journey in itself there, like trying to take you, I want to be five years ahead already. <laughs> and I'm like, right, let's just enjoy the ride up until, up until then and, and probably adapt along the way, I'm sure. Um, a lot of, you know, the people I talk to talk about sort of trying to replace the feelings of cricket in, in their life after that, you know, the euphoria of taking a wicket or the camaraderie. Do you get that from, from what you do? Well, luckily, I'm still able to play cricket at a, a decent level. So, and I, and do you know what? Even through this experience of COVID and and being away from my girlfriend now, I've been away from her for 11 months, and it's really challenging from being away from my family for longer. And um, it's it's really brought about like where does my where does my it's challenging me at the moment. I probably still haven't figured it out about really where's my enjoyment, where does that euphoria come from from playing cricket and. I had a bit of a challenging period sort of a couple of weeks ago, just where everything was kind of coming to, to a point with both myself and my girlfriend. And we would just, we, I guess we'd kind of hit the end of our, our train tracks with how we were dealing with this situation. And then it really started to challenge my, my enjoyment of my cricket, which I'm playing on a Saturday. It's, it's, it's a grade cricket out here in South Australia. It's still good cricket. And I was successful in it last year. And almost strangely, and I think this still stems from, and I kind of think this is where my answer is moving towards, I probably still need to do a little bit more digging, is that I think that I get, I get and got my euphoria from weirdly um, like ego massaging. Like I, was, I was able to be successful. Like I was good at it. And I do it because I'm good at it. And I do it because not only... I can literally stand at the top of my run up and I can have that battle with a battle and I can be in the moment. I can have this, this um, expression of my skill and whether that then is successful or not is a different story, but ultimately I'm giving my best. I'm trying my hardest. I'm putting, there's the process of training yourself over a period of time and then unleashing it on the day. And then that's a, it's almost an expression of that process. It's, it's really a, a, culmination of that hard work that you've done and that's the thing where i can almost get that euphoria um yes winning games is is amazing and doing it and, and then ultimately what all of those experiences do if i put in a good performance from myself i've put myself and my team in a better place to win the game and then not only that you've then built a community and that community is then building towards winning a trophy winning a medal and then that is a, a celebration and it, again, that celebration isn't just a celebration of winning that one game at the end. It's a culmination of winning all the games and all the hard work, the preseason that went into it, the conversations that you had with people, the guys being selected, deselected, the, the injuries that people sustained, the hard work that went in through all that. And, and it ends up being that 
whole joyous moment. And, and I don't know if I experienced enough of that as a pro. I think I experienced definitely more of it now coming out, but I, and that, God, we could lead into team culture, like team culture being almost stronger in what I'm doing in, in an amateur side than yeah. what I, I sometimes experienced in a professional side, because team culture can be misaligned if not everyone is going in the right direction and doing it for the same purpose because everyone has a professional level, everyone has their own agendas. Like that's just reality. Like you're trying to pay your mortgage and I, I may not be too interested in how Hughes plan at the moment because I'm trying to pay my mortgage. I'm trying to get my next contract. So that's really up to the coaches to, to try and build an ecosystem and an environment that allows everyone to try and work towards that common goal, which is very, uncommon it's very uncommon there's only obviously a few teams that are doing it quite well at the moment and Essex is definitely one of them and Yorkshire had done it in the past and I gen and I think Sussex had probably nailed it in the period between 2000 and 2010 so yeah that's um the buzz definitely comes from taking a wicket but it probably doesn't beat the buzz of of actually the hard work that's come before it do you get that same buzz you know you talked earlier about when someone messages you and says, you know, you've inspired me or you've really helped me, do you get that same buzz from that? Yeah. Yeah, I do actually. Yeah. I think that's, that's, um, it's a different buzz ultimately. It's just different. And it's, it's just nice to, to be able to have that impact on people because even if you look at cricket, like at the end of the day, we're there to entertain. We are just merely entertainers. So I, the, I should be, glad of the performance i had because i'm giving to the crowd like everything you're doing is is essentially a, a service to others because those people don't come through the gate they don't support you they don't pay your wage the club folds that's it it's done so you are whether you're thinking about it or not you're actually helping other people so it's a and that's what i'm doing now like i'm helping other people so there is a similar buzz but it is slightly different that's for sure when you look back on your career, do you have those on-field moments that really kind of like stick in your memory? The, the, if there was a Lewis Hatchet highlight DVD, what, what would be on it for you? That, that, um, we had Australia tour in 2013, like really dry summer. Um, that, uh, one, I had a really good game. Uh, I remember I had a good game. I bowled really, really well. Um, but also Phil Hughes was playing. Yeah. And, and I... I got him out both innings but like it's just a very with everything that happened with Phil like it's a very um yeah very incredible surreal thing to to have done not only had that experience with him but I think along the way there's weirdly I'm still a club cricketer at heart like I'm just a I'm just a young Sussex lad who came from the countryside and and had this dream and this this uncommon journey um and I, I still loved playing club cricket. I still loved the buzz of playing with my, being able to come back to East Grinstead and, and play for them and, and help my friends succeed in something. But then also I would get an equal, an equal excitement and highlight from winning a really hard, like we had a hard fought game against Warwickshire at, at Horsham once. And it was a real like t seesaw of a game, like real tough one. And we won last session on that last day. And, and it was, just an epic feel like and there's a great photo of ben brown like taking the stumps on the last wicket and yeah just uh things like that are, are awesome but i think 
I think also just the, the I really one thing I really miss because I think again the highlights are the things you miss that I miss the really do miss the interaction with the people yeah. both on the field but also off it like from Andy the groundsman at Sussex to Trish at the in accounting like you just miss it and I think that's the stuff that and, and ultimately that's the relationships everyone talks about the relationships the the changing room you really do like as much as we hate hate sitting down not playing cricket on a rainy day like when we're in the changing rooms having a laugh with the, the guys or f- figuring out a game to play because we've got four hours to wait for the game to restart those are great fun times or j- just the the team meetings whatever it was like there's there's actually moments that are that you do you do miss but very hard to be appreciative in the moment very very hard because through conditioning through um through past experiences from others through the environment that the the coaches may create it can be hard to have appreciation i'm really excited to actually see how ian salisbury goes with with sussex now as head coach because i actually was assistant coach for with souls for the um for the England physical disability team. So I did the assistant coach role during the world series and uh, we hit it off. We had a really good, um, we had a really good relationship throughout that, that period. And then we still stay in touch. And I'm just knowing one, what he's gone through recently with his wife uh, and the sad passing of his wife, like incredibly sad moment and knowing how he, who he is as a person and how he values life and how he sees life. I'm really excited to see how he goes about molding those players that he's going to have in that environment because he will be a, he will be a leader that will um, lead with compassion and empathy first, which is great. Like that's, it's a really, really nice blend. So yeah, that all of that sort of stuff, there's going to be some highlights in that, that for sure. Do you um, have memorabilia from your playing days up around your house or is it hidden away or given away or? So I got my tattoo as well. So that is my um, that's my cap number for Sussex. So it's in Roman numerals. So I'm the 696th player to play for Sussex. Um, so I have my my the the number in Roman numerals, and then the Sussex crest is behind it because and I have it on my left arm, just because Sussex is is like close to my heart, and it's it's the home I came from. I was born in Sussex. I was I fought for it. Like I literally fought for that place. I fought for my my experience and my 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 whole career, and so, and that and so I, I wanted to almost go to my grave with that story on me. Um, I still have my my Sussex cap, my my um, my what's it called? What are they called it? It's not the one I actually. I've got the one I played with, yeah. the one that actually ended up being tattered and sweaty. But I've also got my uh, ceremonial cap that and tie that came with it and that's all in a frame and that's at home and, and that's something that I, I keep. I actually kept every every shirt, one shirt of every competition from every year I played. Um, that's, that's stored away and I, I would like to do something with that maybe one day. Um, but I don't know. I think, I think potentially there's so many different players that detach from it, but I, I think knowing what I sacrificed, knowing what I went through, knowing how I got there, it really does mean that little bit more to me. So I, I want to, I want to have that with me. Yeah. 
uh, in some way, shape or form. And, it, and even if it's the tattoo, it's, it, it's enough. You, um, I, anyone who listens to the podcast will know that I have an obsession with squad numbers and, um, every I, I in my head i built up this idea that people would select a number because it had some sort of deep meaning to them and pretty much everyone who i spoke to go no no i just got given it you you wore number five at sussex can you break my door and tell yeah. me that you I chose think... it or was it just given to you no i chose it i chose number five yeah um and i if anyone is a sussex fan uh i chose it because jason lurie wore it uh, so Jason was number five. Um, there was a weird, there was a rule at Sussex uh, where you couldn't take that person's number. Um, and Mark Robinson was really good at this. Like Mark Robinson, Peter Moores, they instilled these sort of cultural um, norms throughout the team uh, when when we, I was there. And you couldn't take that the person who retired who who retired that year's number and for a whole year after mm. so when jason retired he actually retired two years before i turned pro um and no one took it and i was like please no one take it like i was, I was there was no guarantee i was going to be a pro but like they the day came when i turned a pro and they're like what number do you want i was like give me number five because i'd spent and i said this when i we started the podcast uh, before we started the podcast like one of my biggest memories was being at arundel i have i had this autograph book and I was a young lad and I jumped over the fence and I ran after Jason Lurie and jumped over and, and I asked him to sign it um, and he signed my book and that was it I my dad then told me what he did he told me he was a left arm bowler a swing bowler he was like that's what you do Lou and uh, and I I then just got it in my head and I just watched him bowl for ages and and my action was very similar to his starting. Like I had this huge, long sweeping load up. Um, and yeah, I was just like, and I've shaved my head. I looked like him and I was like, Do you know, what? I'm just going to be like a little mini Jason. If I can have half a career like his, that'd be, be worthwhile. Didn't get anywhere near him. Um, but also he was a, he was a local guy as well. And I really appreciated that. I really appreciated the fact that he was a, a local guy. I loved the fact that Goring, his cricket club took his shirt and put it up in, in their, their club. Um, my first club, St. James in Sussex, they did the same thing. And that was something that, yeah, it was just really, really, I don't know, sentimental for me in a way that, that I was able to kind of do it. But as I got older, funny enough, I, I was then like, well, I actually don't want to be like Jason in the sense that I want to be Lewis. I want to be more like me. So I think it's, it's, it's nice to have, he was almost like a rock. He was a role model, whether he, he knew it or not. Um, but he was, he was like an inspiration or a, a, like a, a drive and a motivation to try and aspire to. But then at the end of it, it ended up being this, just my number and, and five is what I wanted. Do you still wear, um, do you still wear it now? No, I no, the only time we get to wear a number is, is in our one day games um, over here in, in Adelaide. And I could <laughs> I have to have a higher number because if I was to have five, it's probably like an extra small shirt. So it wouldn't fit. <laughs> so it would just look ridiculous. So yeah, I have to have like a, a, stra a strangely high number and yeah, detached from the, 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 the theory now. Um, what advice would you give Lewis to a, a young player starting out in the career now? I think go back to figuring out who you are first. I think that was, like I said, figure out who you are and then what you want and 
know what you want from 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 this game and and that's very hard to ask a young person um because i think everyone will i imagine a lot of people when they've answered that question will say things like enjoyment which which are which are genuine things to do but i don't think you'll get that you, enjoyment is a byproduct of a lot of things that go along the way so i think if you if you aim for enjoyment you may not recognize how you get enjoyment you'll get enjoyment through having great skill being being very very good at what you do um and all of that will come from all of that will come from being sort of who you are like so i did a lot of searching on sort of who i who i am and like i recognize i'm a driven person so I was like, great, that's something that I can stick in front of me and I can drive, I can drive towards a purpose or a goal quite hard and, and work hard towards, I'm hardworking, that's another thing, who I am. So if you can recognise what that is when shit hits the fan at the end of the day, you have, uh, you have an understanding of, of who you are, why you're doing something. Um, and, and that, I think, is, will last a lot longer than trying to... to earn a bit of cash here or get get a hundred thousand instagram followers i think social media ads are an interesting dynamic to 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 cricketers and and athletes in general because i didn't really have it grown i didn't really have it i was so embryonic mm. yeah like facebook like i think was like the map the, as far as zuckerberg had got with the the platform at the time but now the access you have to to athletes the the brand that they can build both good and bad like both there's a, there's a great benefit to doing that to being able to build a brand as an athlete but if you're not if you're building a brand and you don't really know why you're doing it or you're building an awareness about you as an athlete and you don't know why or you don't know what you stand for people will make massive assumptions about you along the way that's for sure so even especially if you get to the uk if you get to something like the england level you could get there and, and you could do something that is so different different to your personality but a journalist might write about it in a way that perceives you as a certain way but if you've kind of done that work on figuring out who you are why you exist and you've spent a lot of time building yourself up telling people why why you do what you do the public will get your trust people closest to you will gain that understanding of who you are um, and that will just serve you far longer than playing playing this sport will Big question. What what would you say was the secret to a happy retirement from playing cricket? Oh, um, what's the secret to a happy retirement? Uh, struggle. Yeah, recognizing struggle. I think if you recognize that you're going to struggle through it, you won't fight it as hard because you're going to fight that. You're going to fight how unhappy unhappy it is because you you will never be prepared to lose the thing that you love doing the most that you've worked so hard to your boyhood dream of becoming a cricketer is gone so you're going to struggle through that whether you like it or not um and i think if you can understand that struggle and you can recognize it and you learn how to manage it package it and then find some, and then obviously go into all the other areas of your life where you have support from your family and you start to piece together where you might go. Then you really start to lead towards your next chapter rather than your next chapter being a moment of darkness and un uncertainty. And, and I don't know what I'm going to do and where am I going to go with this? 
you you actually have a little bit more of an understanding of, of what's going to go through this process um yeah so yeah it's, it's a dark answer <laughs> uh, but i like to think it's not it, it's um it's a dark it, answer with a light at the end beautiful light at the end because yeah that that self-awareness that you get is amazing like it's 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 a brilliant place to be like you you just understand who you are and, and what you want to do and then you motivate you and like i said it's now motivating me onto what i want to do next rather than really just dwelling on it you don't want to dwell and you'll, you'll only dwell if you get hit by that struggle that negativity that sadness and you have not recognized that that's going to come and then you know last thing for me is that like the job interview question what's lewis hatchett doing in, in five years time what's the what's the goal what's the plan I'd like to. I'd like to have the something like the app really, um, really impacting thousands of people. Ultimately, like I said, we're at five hundred now, so I'd like to think that that's achievable in five years' time. Um, but also being able to to travel around and work with athletes, both individually, um, personally. I think I might be set up here in Australia. Um, I actually don't know. Do you know what? Even with coronavirus, you don't know where you're going to be location. So I'd like to think wherever I am, I'm, I'm, in, I'm enjoying, but also just helping people out. And, um, and yeah, w weirdly, one of my other things I want to do is a TED talk. I want to do a TED talk. I think that's what I want to, yeah, I think I do want to deliver a TED talk of some sort. So that's a goal. Um, that would be a goal in my next five years. But if, if things like that don't come along, that'd be okay as well. But ultimately impacting people some way, shape or form. It's not often when I speak to someone, I find myself in genuine awe of them. But the drive, determination and resilience Lewis has shown for me is just inspirational. The mental toughness he's had to have throughout his career, both on and off the field, is just phenomenal. And having the opportunity to speak to him was so enjoyable. We spoke for hours around the recording of the podcast and I truly hope I get to speak to him again. I've downloaded Lewis's app as well, Sport Yogi. There is so much great content on there. I've tried different bits, especially the pre-sleep breathing routine, and it's really helped me. For anyone who has an interest in mindfulness and a healthy body, yoga, just taking care of yourself, it is a great, great tool. It's available from the Apple App Store, it's available in the Google Play Store, it's free to download please do go and have a look at it and, and download it likewise and um, lewis's podcast is excellent there's so much great stuff on there covering all aspects of sport it's not just for professional sports people so do go and and check that out as well i'll put all links for these things in in the information for the podcast but but please do look up and and check out lewis's content that he's producing it's top rate and i found it really helpful Next time, we talk to a former Derbyshire player on the Back to the Pavilion podcast who also played for Durham, Notts and England. He was a batsman and despite averaging 39 in tests for England, only played three times. That might be down to being David Gower's partner in the Tiger Moth incident, but we'll never know. It didn't stop him though from having a hugely successful county career, so join me next time as we welcome John Morris back to the Pavilion. That's all from me for today, so take care of yourself and others, be kind, bye bye for now. Yeah.